recorded live from the mats of Radical MMA in New York City, the Martial Culture Podcast. Your source for in-depth combat sports and martial arts insights with, with Coach, Coach Rene Dreyfus and, and Matt Peters. Peters. Ring the bell and let's get, get it on. Here we are. What episode is this? I lose track. Oh my God. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It's, it's an episode of the Martial Culture Podcast. So you're treated to this. Renee, how are you? I am fantastic. Life is great. Wow. <laughs> Just really blessed. Well, um, good. I'm happy for you. I'm really happy. Yeah. So um, uh, how about you? How are you? I'm really bad. Re- what? Uh, you know, I just, I don't look forward to slapping you. <laughs> Why not? It's like a, a good and a bad. It's like I want a bet, but now I have to hurt somebody. No, you're not going to hurt me. I'm not going to hurt you. You can't hurt me. It's not Come possible. On. My hand is like the size of your face. Now my face is that's not that gotta small. hurt. Yeah. It's not that small. <laughs> <laughs> I do have a thin face. <laughs> it's very, it's very rat-like and thin, and and <laughs> but it's not that small. <laughs> So for people who don't know, I have Donald Trump syndrome. (laughs) Donald Trump. I need to have big hands, or else I can't feel like a man. (laughs) Tell me, my hands are big. You know, um, you. I want you to. You know, look. I remember uh, we had a bet, so I lost fair and square. I understand that, but I, I can't. I'm looking slap forward you. to it. Why not? You. I'll slap you like in the arm or something. Right, I can't yeah, slap no, you in the face. face. That's that's why weird. not? That's rude. It's not rude. I do it every day. You know, because we train combat. Well, people pay you to do it. You're not giving me money. <laughs> it sounds like it's some sort of uh, weird. <laughs> yeah, you put it on Craigslist. <laughs> pay me, pay and, me. I, and I'll only get slapped. <laughs> with or without the latex mask. I don't know. <laughs> oh with God. always with. That's a little too. <laughs> We're off oh track. Boy. We are uh, way off track. Uh, I can edit this out, but I have a question: Is the episode with the 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 last our last guest is that out yet? Tomorrow, tomorrow it comes yes. out. Yes. Okay. So if you're listening we, to this, we listen to the next episode. Yeah, listen to the next one right away. We're gonna put out two this week. Yes. Why not? Why not? We, we did one last week, but we had to time it for his book release. It was a fantastic episode. So yeah. I, really I can't even tell it. you about it. No, Just go listen secret, to it. Secret. Press the button. Press next after this episode is over. Press go on to the next one. Yeah. Go back and, to the and beginning, too. on iTunes. Oh, wait, wait. You know, huh. we have, we still haven't picked, you know, so we, we said uh, we'd have deadline. We still haven't picked the winner for uh, Barry Eisler's book. So we will do that next, the next, next episode. They have to listen for the winner of Barry Eisler's book because we have all, we said this deadline. The Killer Collective. The Killer Collective. Right? That, that's right. And yeah. still, you know, his book is still number one on iTunes. Ah. Number one, yeah, number one, like, thriller on iTunes. I'm not iTunes, um. Amazon, sorry, mm-hmm. sorry. His number one, his book is number one on Amazon, and uh, it's like, yeah, the best selling thrill. Everybody says it's great, and you know, I still haven't read mm-hmm. it. I will read it. Someday. I can't afford it, so maybe I'll enter the contest. Well, can I, I win? I, yes, you. Can. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't read a book since like sixth grade. What? I know I'm a horrible person. You got to know. You know what it is? The trick is you have to, you know, find something you're interested in, and then and then it just it's not hard work anymore. You know, it's, it's funny because this goes back to martial arts. It's like. How do you develop good habits? And and um, and you know we talked about this kind of this book Atomic Habits a little bit. Um, I think we mentioned it once on the podcast just briefly, but it's it's a great thing. Is like when you want to get yourself to do something positive, but the jump all the way through, like reading War and Peace, is a big jump, mm-hmm. right? So what you do is you or just training, going to the academy every day and training or something like that, is you. You know, the first thing is you want to read, okay, you put a book by your nightstand every day. So you're going to go to sleep and you see the book and it's like, it's the, 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 the jump between picking the book up 
and then and just leaving there, the, that jump is very small. So you don't really think about it. It's right there. So you kind of like trick yourself into making it easier. And there's all these little tricks. And I really recommend the book Atomic Habits because it just says, okay, well, if I want to start reading again or I want to make be make my training consistent, how do I, um, you know, schedule? How do I trick myself into making good decisions on a regular basis? And let me tell you, willpower is always limited. And uh, I had one um, one uh, teacher, and he said, motivation and willpower are like um, water in a cup, but the cup has a little bit of a hole. And, event, and each time you have to kind of refill it. So mm-hmm. the, it's not the hole isn't big, but eventually the, the, the cup will run out. There's, it's a finite resource that if you're not replenishing it, you you won't. Now, what you have to do is you find ways to trick yourself into replenishing it, you mm-hmm. know? And uh, and and that's a it's a it's a really it, it's a really important thing that how to find ways to make yourself develop small good habits. And the ways like um I recommend the book because in the book it, it says it really gives a, a framework on how to do it, but but just for example, in training, people are like, oh man, I you know, just Go training every day is hard. So what you do is you you make sure that right after work you just go right to the academy. You know, like you're like you just or or this. Another one was like pack your gym bag and leave it at work. You mm-hmm. know, and always pack your gym bag and leave it at work. And and then it's like oh I don't have to like do this. And then you know every day you pack your gym bag. All you do is just pack your gym bag. So then that's one down. And then you you know this. And then you just like okay well I have this routine. Well I'll always take this train. Well, guess what? This train leads to your academy. And then you're like, ah, whatever. It's not right here. Might as well do it. So you don't have to like, you know, white knuckle it. You know, there's only so much you can white knuckle in mm-hmm. your life, you know? And uh, you're kind of like, I'm going to read a book. <laughs> yeah, mm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And then, you know, it's, it's like little baby steps in tricking yourself and developing these habits. It's mm-hmm. like really, really important. And um, the book is written by this baseball player and he had this um, – horrible accident happened to him where he suffered like brain damage and uh he had to like learn how to walk again and it's really inspiring aside from the good tips of the book um it's a really inspiring way to organize your life towards good habits Mm -hmm. you know like um another one you want to eat better well um you know what first delete seamless from your phone (laughs) 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 which i have not done yet but anyway (laughs) but then the next one is like okay um you know just don't buy, don't buy bad stuff, right? And then, 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 then it's not there for you. You know, for me, I, I, you know, always try not to buy like chips or cookies. I don't actually like chips, but the things that I like, like um, <laughs> you don't buy things you like. Yeah, I don't buy. I live things a horrible that, life, but yeah. I'm in great shape. <laughs> I'm not in great shape. No. no, you know, but I, I buy. You know, it's like I have a sweet tooth. I have a really, really strong sweet tooth. Very strong. I love, I love like uh, Italian desserts. You know, like uh, Napoleon's or or, or Panacotta, tiramisu. Oh God, yeah, exactly. But of course, I'm not going to buy like a tiramisu cake. You know, and what I'll do is to offset my sweet tooth. I'll buy I'll I'll, I'll things like the other day, my wife and we bought some peaches, and like oh, I was really sweet tooth, so I just had a peach. And peach is like it's better choice than tiramisu. Hmm. You know, and um, and just things like that. You know, um. So, uh, yeah, it's just like tricking your body to tricking yourself to to make good decisions is really yeah. so. I said, put Baby a book, steps. put a put a very entertaining book like Killer Collective right on your desk. That might do it for me, you know. And it's very very good. Yeah. I will give you the copy that I have because I do have a copy. You're in the next book, aren't you? I am in. That's I'm, coming I'm, out yeah, next. I'm in that book. Yes, yeah. I can't wait. That one I'm definitely reading. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna read the Killer Collective too for sure. Of course, you know? yeah. But uh, just I'm in the middle of um, Indubious Bastards by John Steinbeck. It's yeah. like yeah, it's like real serious book, and it's pretty pretty awesome. 
Is it related to Inglorious Bastards, the movie? Um, no, in, in Dubious Battle. Oh, in Dubious, sorry. Did I miss? In Dubious Battle. Okay. So it's a, it's about a, um, a, um, a labor uprising. Like these guys are being exploited, and they have this kind of uprising, and mm. it's pretty pretty intense. You know, you know, because he wrote a lot of um, very um, socially conscious work. So, anyway, okay. never mind. I got to win Killer Collective so I can start reading. Yes. Uh, but yeah, there were some fights this weekend. Uh, a couple. Yeah, and we haven't talked about. Oh, yeah, um, we got to go back in yeah, time. Yeah, we got to go back. Bit. So, yeah, so we missed a lot. So, um, because we did that podcast last week. But first thing is Marias and Cejudo. And. You know, one of the reasons, uh, you know, I actually bet you that, uh, you know, Marias would, would win, but I actually really felt a little more on the Cejudo one. Ah, he was so, giving me a gimme. And, and let, me, let me tell you why I felt that. And, and this is what he didn't do in the first round. You saw the fight, right? Mm-hmm. In the first fight, I was like laughing because I'm like, oh my God, I might actually win this one because I thought <laughs> it's going to lose. I'm like, oh shoot, I get to smack Matt. I didn't get my normal text <laughs> at two o'clock in the morning with, I get to punch you or, with <laughs> or exclamation shit. points. <laughs> He wasn't ready to admit that he lost. Yeah, no, no, uh, mm. no. Actually, you know what? I think I watched that the next day or something. Mm-hmm. I, you know. But anyway, so, um, so this is why I felt Cejudo would win. And 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 you can talk about the fight that just happened this weekend: Lovato versus Musasi, because it's kind of a similar thing: grappler versus striker. Although that's not really true because Marias is actually a very, very, very good grappler, and Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt, and really great fighter. Guy I'm a fan of, and like, incredible hands. But if you were gonna say what weapon Marias has that would threaten Cejudo, it would be the, the low kick, right? Low kick and a check, kind of a check hook too. You know, like those are the, the, the things I said would really, really um, hurt him. But when you're putting a guy on his back pedaling and making him step back, making him step back, it's very hard to, be, to, to, to have him get off his kicks. And wrestlers have an ability to put pressure on guys that is very, very serious. And so I actually f- felt that the fight would go would not go the way it went in the first round because Marias, you know, um, was kind of picking him apart, and um, and he was, um, you know, he was tentative. Uh, Cerruto was tentative, mm. and um, you know, you cannot be at the edge of a kicker's distance. And he was just eating stuff, eating stuff. And and his trainer, in the middle of the, the end of the round, he goes back to the trainer. His trainer's like, punch your way in and put the pressure on him. And the minute he did, he switched gears. And I, su- I knew his coach, when his coach said that, I'm like, there, hopefully he, if he can execute this, he's going to win. And then, you know, he said something really good. He's like, yeah, you know, I was like letting him um, uh, wear himself out. And then when I felt his energy low, I knew it was time to eat. And I'm like, oh, that's a that's a champion right there. Where where you know which switch the gears, and he just put the pressure on, and man, that was that was. Then he broke, you know, Marias broke, mm-hmm. like he broke. It was before the finish. He broke, like you could tell. He just kind of stopped fighting because he just, you know, fatigue makes coward of, cowards of us all. And he was just yeah. that. That do you see the knees that Henry Suda threw to his, just hit him in the head? He did really well. Yeah, yeah. For the guys who didn't see the fight, he just used the tie clinch, so he would kind of shoot in. Dude, use a wrestling tie and then just knee him in the head, knee him in the head, mm-hmm. knee him in the head. It was amazing. After like four knees said, I don't care how good a fighter you are, you know, like you're just, <laughs> you're just not really doing well. You don't watch the uh, behind the scenes stuff, like the embedded. No. What happened? I was surprised at Cejudo. The, he was acting very immature, like during the weigh-ins before, and stuff. Before, before, beforehand. Yeah, and the the open open trim mat training. Really? Um, he was really egging him on, like being kind of like Conor McGregor-ish. 
You know, um, this is what someone told me. And again, I don't watch the behind the scenes things, but he, I was, I heard that he's trying to resurrect the lighter weight class, the 125. Mm. And he's like, um, trying to bring attention to it. Yeah, because like, and then this is what people said Demetrius Johnson, who, for the guys who don't know, is one of the most talented fighters the UFC has ever seen. And he's now in 1FC. The UFC traded him over to 1FC so that he would just get paid more. Disappointing. Yeah. It I mean, really, good for him. Yeah, good for, good for him. him. He's making a lot more money. But I th- hopefully he'll come back eventually. But, um, you know, Demetrius Johnson, who I adore. I mean, I think this guy's amazing. Let me tell you, you know, he didn't get paid a lot, mm-hmm. as I understand it. Although I don't follow this that much. Because no. he doesn't talk trash. Yeah. He just goes in, does his job, and goes home. And, you know, at the end of the day, it is prize fighting. There is an entertainment element. There's the, the casual fans are the ones who tend to drive the sport more. Mm-hmm. So if there's a little bit of fan service... You know, it's um, it's hard for people to get uh, a little excited about the smaller weight classes. Yeah. Where the weight, the higher weight classes, like we, we respond to that more. Like if you see Stipe Nagano, right? And Stipe Miocic Nagano, these big guys, they're like you're like whoa because mm-hmm. or oh, Overeem, you know, Overeem's so popular. It sucks, sucks, garbage. That guy <laughs> sucks, man. Well, I mean, I mean when he, he's done steroids, he's yeah, better. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, obviously, like there's like like G, and I can't believe my my fighter, he loves Alistair Overeem. But there's something like in our genetic makeup that responds to bigger people and mm-hmm. sees them more as a threat. So I think even without trash talking, there's always going to be an interest towards toward, towards the bigger guys, even if they're not as technical. Mm-hmm. But you know, the little guys have to work extra hard. And um, and what? yeah, after the fight, he was a little outraged. You know, he said, <laughs> "I'm triple triple C." You know, like he's I'm the triple champion. You know, he said that. And after the fight, he's like, "I'm two weight class champion and Olympic champion. I'm not I'm not champion, but I'm the triple C." And he, it when is he came out pro to wrestling the, too, when he came out to the um, what's it called? The 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 people can watch him train open workout. Open workout. Yeah, uh, he came with a crown and a cape. That felt like a little much. You know, at least he didn't throw a dolly through a bus window. There you go. That's the le- <laughs> that's the bar we have right now, which is <laughs> which is really terrible and that's a logical, you know, a fallacy. You yeah. know, this is comparative. He didn't commit a crime. He didn't commit a crime, right? <laughs> exactly. All right. I mean, I, I like. I think what you're saying is true that he's trying to just bring attention to the, the weight class and and probably make more money for himself. I mean, exactly. Right. You have no. to put on a show. Yeah. You. You. And and you know what? Honestly. Um, and, you know, a lot of people in the martial art community, we had Chris Romulo on the other, I mean, a long time ago. He said, you know, I don't like the razzle-dazzle. You know, I don't need it. I just turn it off. But for the sport to maintain its popularity and grow, um, there has to be some fan service. You, it's not enough. Any, any weight class, it's not enough that you just go in and do your job. You, at some level, are an entertainer. And I personally hate that element. I yeah. hate it. But – you know, hey, that's life. You know, we nothing is perfect. Sure. You got to do it in everything. Perfect. I mean, we do, yeah. we give away books to our fans. Yeah, <laughs> we can't just sit here and talk about stuff. Stuff, all the time. right? People, yeah. people want them. Yeah, something and, from us. But you know, it's the same thing in true to martial <laughs> artists, right? So I was talking to one of my students, and I'm kind of grooming him to be a teacher. And mm-hmm. I'll be honest, like a lot of teachers I know in martial arts are who are absolutely amazing teachers and incredibly knowledgeable, but really humble and quiet about it. Like nobody knows who they are, mm. you know. Like even even if they won, they're like. Uh, um, I I was very very lucky to um, meet uh, Professor Kashiwazaki, who is a immense immense gifted judo practitioner, who is one of the the most you know gifted athletes. He's actually won judo and won sambo. 
He's the world titleist in two grappling arts, which is very, especially in the 80s, that was not like mm. a common thing. And he's amazing. And, you know, who's Kashu? Like, who's, who the hell's that? Like, <laughs> nobody knows who he is. Even, even seasoned martial artists don't know who he is because he's probably one of the most humble, genuine, nicest people I've ever met in my life. And he has so much incredible knowledge. Mm. Um, you know, and of course, uh, you know, you, you know, it's good to be humble, but at the same time, one of the reasons we know what Gracie Jiu Jitsu is is because Elio Gracie was a very outsized personality. Mm. That man and his brother Carlos, they, they, you know, they're, they're, people don't realize, but their family were actually originally, they don't talk about this because I think they're maybe a little ashamed or whatever, but his dad was a, ran a circus. Mm. The Elio Gracie and Carlos Gracie's dad ran a, uh, I don't know if you call it a circus, but like a show, like a, like a Barnum and Bailey, your ring ring brothers kind of thing. But it wasn't like, I don't think it had animals, but it had like attractions. It had, it definitely had pro wrestling in it. It had, um, it had, you know, acrobats and mm-hmm. I don't really know the whole thing, but, but that's what it did. So they come from a, a bit of a showman family. You know, if you read the biography of Elliot Gracie, I mean, uh, Carlos Gracie and, or, or anything historical about them, you know, anytime there was a thing, you know, where'd he go? Where'd they go? The minute they had like something to, you know, the fight or something, they go right to the newspapers. They go right to the newspapers and they promote the hell out of it. And they're like, and they'd say something, you know, outlandish sometimes, you know, um, yeah. the Gracie's would say, you know, Jilson hates this. Remember Jilson's on the front. He's like, man, I hate this. Like, I will fight four of you in one night. You know, that's like outlandish, but it's like, motherfucker, I can't believe you said that. <laughs> Let's see it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. You know, like, you know, so yeah. a, a bit of showmanship is really important. And, and, and the same thing as a martial arts instructor, you know, um, I if I just go on the mat and teach a technique, it's just it's it it's not enough. Let me tell you, motivation, like you said, and discipline are the cups, and there's a little bit of water running out. And um, so there's different ways to to have students in, in in have their motivation. And like I said, there's the atomic habits. We but there's another thing is you you become inspired, and so that's not a bad thing. Um, sometimes like I know a lot of martial artists who look at George St. Pierre or some of the champions, they inspired by their journey. And, um, if you don't say anything, you don't put your presence out there, it's hard to inspire. So when I'm teaching, I also try to inspire and so I'll tell a little bit anecdote. I use this fight, this move in a fight and this happened, or I talk about, unfortunately I did have some self-defense encounters. I'll tell you, this is what happened here. And it can inspire my students to, 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 to motivate, self-motivate mm-hmm. and also to, to, to reach for that next goal. I'm like, Hey guys, I got injured. You know, I couldn't walk for tears and this is my path and boom, boom, boom. And some people find that you know, a little bit inspirational. I, you know, I, I'm not nobody special, but but you know, definitely was a hard road for me coming back. And if somebody can find some inspiration from that, from my story, and I can tell that in a in a in a way that's entertaining, as well, you know, why not? And and uh, making the class not just my class, not just technique, but inspiring my students is is important. Mm-hmm. And I think the same thing is true for martial arts. I don't know if it's a bad thing until it gets too far. You know, Chael Sonnen, Conor McGregor, and Colby Covington. Those guys go too far. But, you know, a little bit of razz, like, you know, you know, the John Jones, Daniel Cormier, you know, that word battle. Mm-hmm. You know, some people found that entertaining. I generally turn it off, but but sometimes it was like Daniel Cormier is legitimately funny. <laughs> you know, like that guy, it's really funny. He says some things, you know. Um, and um, and uh, so having a little bit of that razzle dazzle within reason is is 
it's not necessarily a bad thing, you know? Mm-hmm. The, the, it definitely is, you know, the original sales point of the UFC was like, it is a human bloodbath. And, you know, that was the sales point. And now if that's not there, what's going to take its place to have people? Well, obviously some human drama. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't think people go to fight to see the fights as much for the technique. Even even casual fans, not ca- non-casual fans, like people who are real serious, they, they want to see some drama. You know, they want to see they want to see something amazing. They want to be transported out of their humdrum lives, and uh, even even technique technician people like technique, and that's eh, it's not a bad thing. You know, you got to keep people entertained. You have to, yeah. You, you know, keep them engaged. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Chael Sonnen, I mean, I kind of getting off topic a little bit, but uh, he got a little bit of his uh, little knockout he happening. Ass kicked by Lyoto <laughs> Machida. Oh. I'm so sorry to hear that. <laughs> you know, and that's a great example. This is not really off topic. How did Chael Sonnen talk himself into the fight with Lota Machida? Well, guess what? Because he's a controversial, entertaining personality. They're so different level of fighters, such a different level of fighter. How is Chael Sonnen on every freaking Bellator card? Well, because he's a draw. He's a draw. And the same thing How with- he you know, draw? He's a draw, but he's like, sucks. I mean, you know, not sucks, but, you know, he's not really that great. He, his outsized personality is leagues leagues ahead of his actual skill set, yeah. you know? So there you go. I like that, though. Um, I saw uh, Chelsea actually also had an interview recently with uh, TJ Dillashaw. Did you see that? Any any part of that? No. What Dill- happened? Dillashaw was uh, coming clean about using PEDs. I No, please tell me to what. Well, Dillashaw. So he, he just came clean. I yeah, know, yeah, he, but I don't know the, uh, the 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 details. He just went like kind of all into it. Why he was doing it, the pressure and all this stuff, and he just was like, "Yeah, I've been on uh, PEDs for a long time." And was mostly uh, EPO, if I'm not mistaken, right? Was it EPO or erythropoietin or? I don't know the specifics. Yeah, uh, but it was really interesting interview. I mean, I don't like Chael Sonnen, but if you check it out, like on YouTube, just look up Chael Sonnen and Dillashaw. Uh, they talked for like maybe an hour and a half about wow. the whole backstory about why he got to the point where he felt like he needed it, and then um, coming back from from kind of disgrace a little bit. I mean, I don't, I don't. Feel I wonder like if Chael Sonnen also divulged his steroid use. <laughs> he did talk about how he. Uh, what did Chael Sonnen say? He said, uh, "I can tell when you're on steroids because I've been there." Oh, like he yeah. didn't. Like he didn't go into. <laughs> like he said, you know, I can. I, I, I see. I see that little thing on your arm and I know that that's like a side effect. Yeah. And so probably, I mean, he didn't oh. get to the point where he said <laughs> I was on them, but uh, he did He did get into a little bit about that. But it is an interesting interview. I, I, I don't publicize Chill Sonna very often, but um, I think more of the, the Dillashaw part of it was because he let him talk a lot. Uh, so check that one out if you're if you're interested in the backstory of Dillashaw, and uh, hopefully he can come back because I do think Dillashaw is a talented fighter. But oh, for he sure. Just, he got... Um, you know, a little bit in the weeds. Yeah. And with yeah. his his uh, alpha male yeah. uh, competition and things like that, feeling like he had to elevate uh, to be at the level where he can compete against alpha male and kind of get his... <laughs> yeah, but I heard that um, he was doing steroids while he was, you know, he was like, you know, forever. He was the steroid guy, so I don't know. He didn't give me that. I mean, yeah. I didn't, never got that look from him. I mean, when he came back, he did look different. Yeah, I mean, it's also like it could be he's doing one type of cheating. It doesn't necessarily be steroids, but yeah. performance answers, so many different types. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, no kidding. Um, well, that's, you know, the pressure is a really important thing. And um, uh, 
there's a great quote from Dan Gable about um, steroids, and and this is this is actually true. I I found people, um, and you know, steroids don't make you just strong. They make you like a little bit more courageous. There's, you know, at, at the end of the day, it's very much our emotions are very neurochemical. You know, we to think there's this great article I have um, about, you know, how free will is is some sort of a canard because, uh, you know, really a lot of our choices are bio, biochemical, and uh, there's a tremendous amount of psychodynamic dynamic research, you know, research on psychodynamics that that show that. Um, so when you take uh, testosterone, obviously it kind of pumps you up. I mean, I've seen this. I, I've never ever taken anything other than like <laughs> protein powder, the DGNC protein powder, maybe. And I don't even do that because I'm lactose intolerant, and it just is terrible, right? <laughs> I remember when Mark McGuire was big. I was taking creatine because I was like, I want to hit baseball. I, I can't take it creatine. Do anything. No, you know, creatine is supposed to be like I know guys who take it, and uh, it's great. Except I react really badly to yeah. it. I won't go into it because it will disgust our. We'll lose all our. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just, just me and creatine don't mix, yeah. and I've tried it many times. It, it it actually is really good because it increases like the amount of water in your muscles. Mm. So you know, first and foremost, it, it keeps you from getting injured a little bit. Mm. Uh, but it depends on how you metabolize it. And there's a uh, most of the guys I knew who took it um, were, were Asians because I was when I was in Japan. That was all the judo guys were were taking creatine, and there was the the one thing that was allowed. You know, and they're com- competing. Um, they weren't allowed performance enhancers like steroids and mm. stuff. But but creatine was a great thing, especially in judo because the injuries are so common the amount of abuse your body takes you have a little extra water it just allows you to just kind of like you know take the abuse a little better and definitely you can perform a little more too but um but um i'm certainly not an expert on the subject but uh you know the only thing i ever took was you know like over the counter a little bit of creatine and a little bit of protein and that that's about it you know and i don't react well to it but that being said um you know, I have a lot of training partners over the times who I had this one guy who's Australian and he was coming train with us and he was 185 pounds, which is not that big. And that time I was about 160. So we're at, you know, um, 20, 20 pounds difference. So I was 165, he's 185, 160, whatever, you know? And um, I put him in an arm bar and I was underneath him and he used one hand and muscle curled me off the floor. That's not humanly possible. <laughs> That's like almost his body. It's like the freaking Hulk. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, and with his arm, with one arm, he muscle curled me off the floor. And and he was like probably the most ripped guy I've ever seen in my life. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, holy shit, I'm in the air and this guy's holding me in the air with one arm. And, um, you know, and of course I knew he was taking steroids because in the locker room, in front of everybody, <laughs> he would shoot up. Sure. Like, I mean, it was like the thing he did. And my instructor at the time was not a fan of it, but we only had... Uh, like a total of like fourteen students at that academy because it was because uh, it was after nine eleven the academy um, went through some bad times because it was right next to the World Trade Center so we had to relocate and we lost students and we were trying to rebuild and I think my instructor's like yeah I can't kick this guy out right now because <laughs> we only have fourteen students and let me tell you he was freaking tough like he was a uh, he was like um taekwondo champ world champion or something or not world champion but a high level taekwondo guy from Australia mm-hmm. he came to New York and um. And I have pound for pound, literally the strongest guy I've ever pound for pound. Unbelievable. And you can, when you're on steroids, he was like mentally strong. You could tell when he was on, when he had kind of shot up. And you could tell when he was like cycling off. Because when he was cycling off, it was like, he was like, tap, he would tap really early. Hmm. The fight wouldn't be there. And so, you know, there's neurochemically, it changes you, makes you more courageous. So Dan Gable has this great quote. 
and this was talking about the Olympics, and he said, he said, I found out that my opponent from Russia, from the Soviet Union, that back then, was doing steroids. And instead of thinking, oh, that will be a mark against me, it's, uh, he said Dan Gable. He said, and Dan Gable's a really f- famous wrestler for the guys who don't know. He's like wrestling god. And he is the hero of most, most, most American wrestlers. You know, the vision quest of American wrestling is, <laughs> ends in Dan being Dan Gable, the guy who had almost no points scored, per, almost a perfect record in, in, in America, and then went off to the Olympics and won. And, um, but he said, I heard my opponent was doing steroids. And I knew, I knew I would beat him because he was mentally weak, mm. because he needed the steroids to overcome me, and I needed nothing. Wow. And you know what? Fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, that's 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 it. You know, and I, I tell my students, I, I don't ever want, want people to do performance enhancing drugs, and anytime you see that, you know that they needed that extra boost to get the courage. Mm. You don't. You, you grind out that courage. And let me tell you, when you are not taking performance enhancers, training is so fucking hard. Not to say that, you know, and Jilson will yell at me because he listens to this. He's like, Jilson, you know, for the guys who know the guy, Jilson comes onto our podcast and he was a bodybuilder. So he's done every steroid in the book. <laughs> and, um, and he's, you know, and, but, you know, you take a steroid, you still have to work hard. And he will disagree with me in the sense that, but the, Depth of despair that you go into sometimes when you're just wrecked from training, I really don't think is there. I've never taken steroids, so I can't tell. But like, I look at guys, and I'll do the same training session. And over years, this is over grappling for, I've been grappling since 1988, really seriously from 92. 92 to now, it's, it's coming on almost 20 years now, 88, really, really almost 20 years. I started really grappling in, seriously in Japan, but before that in 88 was when I started grappling, right? So yeah, we're almost, we're 20 years, right? And um, um, no, more, more than 20 years, 30 years almost, 30 <laughs> years, yeah, I can't do that. That's why I do martial arts because math is beyond me. <laughs> you know, so, so yeah, 30 years. So um, I've met so many people who did steroids and I train with them. And then I come back the next day and, you know, I had tried to sleep, you know, take a bath. And when you go home, you have to do all this stuff to make sure that you can train the next day. Mm -hmm. And the next day you wake up and you need like five minutes to get out the kinks. And they're just like, you ready to go or not? Like, motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like, I know you're shooting up and you're, you're fine. And I, man, I'm not shooting up and you motherfucker, I'm going to kill you. You know, you know, so it makes you, that makes you go down hard. You have to go up the same amount. But you don't fall down the same amount. Right. Like you're the pit that you reach after training at 11.30 at night when you roll on your right shoulder and you're like, oh, Jesus fucking Christ, that hurts so much. And then, you know, you can't sleep because your back is so sore and you have to ice everything and tiger bomb everything. And the next day you need like 20 minutes just to get out of bed. You know, when you shoot up, you don't get that. And that's why they do it. Yeah. You know, it's not – it's the up to get to the top range – is is always hard work. You it's know? unfortunate that yeah. there's side effects to, to yeah. performance enhancing drugs because it sounds amazing. <laughs> it does. <It's, laughs> you know, sometimes I'm like, yeah, I wish I could shoot up. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, like I would never do that. I would just not. It's not in my way. But but if when, I, when like, I would lie to you, I would no lie, Matt. If I lied to you, I would lie to you. If I said I wasn't jealous. I, sure. Absolutely. You know, like you're just looking at them, like, but it makes me want to pound them into the dirt even more. So. <laughs> It makes me want to pound it. Like, I hate steroid guys. If I roll with one and I know he's in steroids and I can beat him, I'm going to beat him a little extra hard. Yeah. You know, not now. It was like I'm not really competing. But back, back in the day, you know. And, and, and it's rampant 
rampant in the jiu-jitsu world. Like like uh, Chris Robinson, we had Chris Robinson on, on, and he's like, you know, Chris is 50, almost 50 years old, in great shape, and he's like, spends all his day working out. And then, you know, you look at other guys that don't work out, you know, uh, the, the same level of maintenance he does, and they look twice as ripped. He's like, mm, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like it's not supposed to be that easy. Yeah, but their balls you. are twice as small. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, but that's that's my thing. You know, I recommend when it comes to steroids, I recommend everybody watch the documentary Icarus. Mm-hmm. Um, it's on like, oh, G- yeah, the Russian, G- thing, yeah, Russian right? thing. Yeah, yeah, it's like really, really light. And that's also, a crazy like, story. Yeah, it's crazy. Crazy. Everybody should watch it. It's yeah. great, great movie. And um, it's like a spy novel. Man. Yeah, really. And there's another one uh, which is just a straight documentary on, on steroids. And it's um, ah, the name is escaping me, but it's it's just on like humor performance and the the. I'll, 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 let me Google this for a second. But but it's it's. There uh, was one I watched on Netflix. Yeah. It was about um, wrestlers, and it was the, oh, the pro like, wrestlers. Or yeah, wrestlers. No, like um, pro WWE. Yes. Let's make sure whenever we talk about. <laughs> I apologize. <yeah. laughs> Not Olympic wrestling. The, yeah. uh, the show of wrestling. Yeah. Uh, but it was really interesting because it went into like the history of like wrestlers. I mean, they're all on steroids. Not really? now, but really? back in the day. <laughs> really? <laughs> the look on his face. You can't see it. Really? Um, but it's really interesting that it shows. I always thought Hulk Hogan was naturally like that. I mean, he looks pretty good today. Does he? For an 80-year-old. I don't know. He's 80? I don't know how old he is. I'm sure he's not. Yeah. But um, He's a good lawyer. It does have an interesting, interesting story because it goes in like the the early days and everybody's juicing, and then like the aftermath. It shows the aftermath, which is important, where it shows like the downside of juicing, and then uh, the years of <laughs> all that abuse. Yeah, it's an interesting story if you're looking for something kind of similar. Yeah, to that. you know, um, my this is my view on steroids, and um, and I really, I really do believe this. And you know, a lot of steroids were invented for medical purposes. And right. so to demon, I mean, actually, I know a lot of people who went on steroids for medical reasons. They cancer survives, and they need them. Mm-hmm. So I don't know actually what they were taking. I, I should I should remind that it may not have been an anabolic steroids, but but they're doing the things that athletes sometimes use mm-hmm. to rebuild muscle because they had such bodies so ravaged by leukemia and things like that, right? Yeah. Um, and so the same with marijuana. We see marijuana legalized right now, demonizing something and saying it is all bad is not an intellectual approach. There's has to be some way to not seen in Manichaean terms, like this is good, this is bad, you know, not like that. See it in terms of like, well, um, it can help these sick people or it can be used in this way or maybe um, there's a, I don't know if there's a place in athletics for it, but there's a place in, like I know Joe Rogan is very open that he does HGH um, to extend his life and be feel healthier. You know, um, and he has a doctor prescribing him, and he does like testosterone replacement type stuff. And I don't, I don't know. I'm not an expert on it. Um, I think, um, but we have to get away from just good bad. Mm-hmm. That's not. A, it's a silly way to to think about things, you know. Um, but in competition realm, sure, that's a totally different story. Yeah. You know, like, I think that yeah. there's the the getting everybody back to equal when as you get older, mm-hmm. or let's say you had testicular cancer. Your testosterone levels drop, and to bring oh, you mine, back, mine, to, I'm sure mine have dropped. I haven't gotten tested, but yeah. I'm sure mine have dropped. Just be, the aging process, everything yeah. drops as you get yeah. older. So bringing yourself back to zero, if you have the either good insurance that can prescribe something, yeah. or or you just need it, they're like antidepressants as well. 
Like they can be demonized and people think, oh, yeah. you're on antidepressants. But there's a chemical imbalance. And to yeah, reset absolutely. that imbalance is for important sure. for and a lot of people. It's funny you should say that because now they're finding that ketamine, which is, you know, this like horse tranquilizer yeah. kind of drug, is like amazing. And psilocybin, all these other kind of amazing for helping people who are like suffering from really serious depression and like. You know, it, it can be important. I sure. I am not advocating any drug use. I'm talking, you know, medically supervised um, regime to help someone who is legitimately suffering, mm-hmm. you know. And speaking of that, look, Anthony Bourdain's uh, death was exactly a year ago, and it's very, very sad. Mm-hmm. Maybe if the guy got some, you know, help in the realm. I know he's a recovering addict, but he had a lot of internal demons. If someone had some help like that, you know, maybe life would be different. You know, we cannot – and, you know, I know a lot of people who – are we're illicitly smoking marijuana. I, I don't travel in those circles. It's just as a martial artist, um, you know, coming to a lot of different people. I have never smoked marijuana in my life. I, I never will. I've never, I don't drink. I don't smoke. I don't do marijuana. I, you know, even watch like my, my sugar intake, like I was telling you, you know, like these things are something that's not part of my life. But that being said, I know a lot of people who they don't have access to a proper, diagnosis of their medical condition and many of them are very seriously ADHD or something like that or autistic and you know you can see the research now showing that marijuana is can be or sub CBD or something like that cannabinoids are very 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 beneficial for helping people on the autistic spectrum mm. like really beneficial so like saying drugs are bad don't do drugs kids yeah, of course. Anything can but, be abused. Yeah, of course. You know, let's take I can drink more too science. much water. Yeah, absolutely. You could die from too much <laughs> yeah. water. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, um, it's like having a little more scientific approach. Mm-hmm. My, my father was a physician. I, I don't pretend to have any of that knowledge, but he, he always felt that marijuana legalization made no sense. It, being illegal, like yeah. a class one drug, made, just made no sense. Oh, my God. You know, you know a country actually has a tremendous um, research, back, uh, a research material on marijuana? Is actually the Israelis because they didn't legalize it, and they were actually have a clinic where they're they're talking about marijuana and how it can be used um, uh, in in medical medical really serious medical cases mm-hmm. uh, in in important like you know pain management and cancer things like that. So they they actually like much more of you know logical approach. Yeah. Look, let me repeat. I'm not like Joe Rogan smoking up can you know marijuana all day. <laughs> I don't do that. Um, but just a more logical approach to. Mm-hmm. To substances, you know, not good, bad. You know, I grew up. I grew up. Drugs are bad, kids. You know, and yeah, of course. But you know, there's a lot of things that are, that 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 we can't see in a black or white light. I, I always thought of uh, drugs and and sometimes even uh, other crimes. If it's doing harm to yourself within reason, it shouldn't be illegal. Like if I want to, if I want to do drugs. And it doesn't yeah. harm anyone else. It's not a drain on society. I know at a certain well, point, yeah, like it is a drain on society. You know, I don't know. But if it isn't, let's put it in like a bubble. If if I'm sitting at home and I eat a gummy that has THC in yeah. it, and then it helps me go to sleep, yeah. is that is that no, illegal? That's. I mean, obviously, I'm not. Well, it's not illegal anymore because they sell them everywhere. Yeah, those gummies. <laughs> now they're not. They're not. Uh, they're not full of THC, but they are full of can- can- CBD. Yeah, and they don't work as well. Um, no, but I agree with you. I totally agree. I mean, there's a line where it's like once you go to a certain point, like if you're shooting up heroin, eventually you're probably going to attack somebody to get money because you need right. to get your heroin. Right. But I think that the like smoking marijuana doesn't really hurt anybody. I mean, you can't. You <laughs> I mean, can't. it's something like what? Like 85% of the U.S. populace smokes marijuana 
like some did a study like that. I don't yeah. know the exact number. The worst thing I do but, I mean, is come I on. Eat if eighty five percent of the of you American populace has at some adult population has at some time tried yeah. marijuana, then obviously it's like not gonna be the death of our civilization. Mm. But that being said, you know, you should read a book. It's called uh, oh wait. I yeah, don't read okay, the books, yeah, I know. Oh, man, is there an audio book or yeah, yeah, a, like you a video? Yeah, you should do the audio book, right. Actually, no, that's not a bad idea, but have you ever read Brave New World by Aldous Huxley? And I've Aldous, heard of it. Aldous Huxley <laughs> was, a, was an author who really experimented. He wrote one book. Um, God, I forgot what the name is, but it's, the name is really funny. It's like the Gummy Lem Drop uh, uh, Neon Tree or something. He wrote an entire book while like zonked out of his mind on like 10,000 drugs, right? So he was like a, a guy who uh, experimented with drugs as part of, the creative process, but also just to see what what was going on. Mm-hmm. And his book, um, Brave New World, is how um, it's an old book. You know, it's kind of co- compared to 1984. But 1984, the book was all about totalitarian governments and how the Big Brother and this. This is more like soft Big Brother. They, 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 the 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 people are like pacified through a drug called soma, and it's like basically like. You know, the, anytime they're feeling down, they get soma mm. and blah 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 blah. blah. Mm-hmm. And again, it it blunts their 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 life. And um, you know, there there's a a, a famous um quote um, she's Nietzsche, I forgot. Um, Marcus Aurelius, I forgot. Some one of the Stoic philosophers in ancient times said the same thing, and and of course it was repeated in a more modern sense. But um, when you have not experienced you know the lows and the hardships of life. Life you can't really understand the the heights either. And I feel that continuous, you know, a, a use of of anything that blunts your experience um, keeps you from reaching a higher higher point of life. That being said, obviously medical intervention for medical cases are important. But like I said, in my personal experience, going to bed at ten thirty at night, every single part of your body hurting, and then grinding it out the next day gave me a type of internal toughness that I would never have had otherwise. Mm. And if I had done painkillers like and just gone over that and brushed over it, I wouldn't have that 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 next that fifth gear that I have mm-hmm. where okay, you really think that hurt me? No. Boom, I'm going to keep going. Right. And to, as a martial artist that was important to me. And I think in life you can make, draw parallels when you blunt experiences when you blunt it with alcohol or blunt it with drugs or blunt it with TV, you know, and I'm a little bit, you know, maybe TV is kind of the one that I, I sometimes blunt, you know, I kind of turn off and zone out. You know, it's something I'm, I'm looking to, to, to do less of too. You blunt your experiences, you blunt your, your, your ability to, to, to experience life at a higher, more intense and enjoyable level. That's kind of how I look at it. Sure. Am I preaching to anyone else? No, I'm talking my personal ethos, my personal creed. So I do not have the the knowledge to to make a blanket statement of this is good or bad, but that's how I see the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and I find that um, the people who do who do steroids, there's that point where they break. They do break, and um, their bones break because they're so brittle. They, yeah, that too. That too. <laughs> yeah, you've seen a lot of kicks like that where you know the bone, the shin breaks, yeah, and silver. Mm, yeah. Mm. Oh, he shot afterwards. Maybe not. Maybe we have before. But, but, um, but you know, that's kind of that's kind of how I I see it, and um, it's kind of that that's the way I see it. But anyway, that's that. Well, well, this episode took uh, a, a lot of twists turn. and yeah, turns. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I always like the unexpected uh, moves. Um, the, 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 anyway, but yeah, Suhudo won, and he's yes. pretty amazing. The other um, 
I'll just go very close. We had um, Moicano versus Zombie, which was over the weekend, and Lovato versus Musasi over the weekend. And we had the Bare Knuckle Boxing uh, Championships over the weekend. So it was like a huge combat weekend. Mm -hmm. So I'll give you the head. Moicano versus Zombie was slip, overhand, done. <laughs> it was like a really fun. you see it? It was like you just slipped the punch, boom. It was like, it was like, per, it was like, it was like pads. Seconds. Yeah, it was like pads. It was like, it was like, it was like, uh, Chan Sung Jung was like doing pad, pad work. It was like yeah. exactly what, you know, zip, zip, pop. And, um, and that was impressive because um, Moicano was very good. And you know, I was not a fan of Chen Sung Jung for a long time. Like, look, mm. his moniker was Korean Zombie. That is not to me an intelligence diet. He went back, and in the last few fights, man, you got to give the credit card. He reinvented himself. This is going back a couple years too, where he comes back, and man, his hands are sharp as ever. And this guy is like, his boxing is really good. And you know, he came back from a judo wrestling background originally, and uh, um, he has some hapkido taekwondo training. But really, he's you know, he's a grappler. It was a wrestler, I think, Pajito wrestler first. and uh, But his hands now, his hands and his hands are lethal. And he, um, you know, I, I really respect that. Then there was in, in, in Bellator. Bellator was kind of interesting because there was two fights in Bellator. This week and then last week. Okay, this was uh, Rafael Lovato Jr. versus um, Gergard Musasi. Now, you might remember Gergard Musasi from the UFC. I mean, he fought uh, Chris Weidman with the hand on the floor. When the, and then, uh. yeah. Remember Chris Weidman kind of like playing the game there and put a legal knee. Right. Um, or wasn't legal, whatever. But um, Musasi is and one of the guys in Bellator who, and I generally feel the level in Bellator is lower. Um, and I don't really watch Bellator. But this, Gerard Musasi is pretty freaking amazing. And I've always been a fan. And he's a great striker who has a, interesting, he's, he is a kind of a little more sambo background rather than, than jiu-jitsu. But he has a great way of kind of putting things together on the ground. And I was always a big fan of his. And Rafael Lovato Jr. is a jiu-jitsu world champion. And he um, was trained on the, the Hibero brothers, who are under Hoyle Gracie and Hickson a little bit. Uh, but it kind of did your own thing now. Um, and this man lives in the middle of Idaho with like there's no, you know, he's not in like some big camp somewhere or mm -hmm. anything like that. He's in the middle of Idaho with like, Tiny academy with like 20 training partners, whatever. And he built his academy to – as a champion factor. One of his students is also a champion. And um, he's, his dad is originally a Kempo instructor. So they then they started training jiu-jitsu and became really good. And he's one of the first Americans to win really big in, in the jiu-jitsu world. And then, you know, usually that doesn't mean success in the MMA world. You know, like there's a lot of jiu-jitsu guys that went into MMA and just look like garbage. Mm -hmm. One of the differences, Lovato um, is a very, very intelligent guy. And, you know, he won this this not just on jiu-jitsu but on, on wrestling. Man, he took um, Musasi down so often that he, you know, he put Musasi on his heels. And Musasi is like way better striker than Lovato, although Lovato has been striking a lot in Brazil. Um, there's his team, Evolução, which he trains with. And um, they're, they're top team. We don't really hear about them that much because they're more Brazilian-based, but they're a very, very effective team. Mm -hmm. And he trains them. So his striking is good, but it's not on the same level as Musasi. But it's just like Cejudo put um, uh, um, Morais on his heels. He started putting Lovato on his heels, on his heels, and really controlled the match through upper body wrestling. And then also, you know, had some great moves. The one thing is Musasi did get on top, reversed the back control. And you could see, and this is the thing with sports jiu-jitsu guys, their guard, if the bell hadn't rung, 
Lovato probably would have lost the fight because he was in open guard on mm. the bottom, Musashi raining down punches, and his his, fun, his functional strike defense there was just not what it should have been. Mm. And um, and uh, he wasn't doing the fundamentals that you really need to see people do from there. So he was losing. But then he wound up, he dropped after that because I think he came back. He was a little woozy from that. The next round, Musashi did really well, dropped him. But then he came back and then just, Put him on the mat and just ground it out and won. Uh, won and he's the new Bellator World Champion. He's okay. the first, you know, Jiu-Jitsu uh, and Bellator uh, World Champion uh, at the same time. Wow. Right? I'm uh, actually I can't say at the same time because I don't think he's competing anymore in Jiu-Jitsu. But but he's he's definitely really done it. He's an older, bit older too, and like kind of like a really cool, you know, vision quest. Mm-hmm. A guy said, "I don't care where I am, what I'm doing. I'm gonna I'm gonna be a champ. I'm gonna visualize. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna put it through." And on the same show not the same night but there's also a guy named Aaron Pico which you talked about amazing wrestler mm-hmm. amazing trains with Freddie Roach manages to lose most of the fights <laughs> even though <laughs> now, I mean like like amazing like uh, and when you watch this guy you're looking like this guy's gonna be a freaking champion he's gonna be a champ he's so it, it looks so slick and then he goes in the fight and he freaking gets dropped every time <laughs> I mean you're like what and it just shows that technique is not enough. Mm. It has to be welded with tactics right. and strategy. And um, I didn't know the last one is the bare knuckle boxing this weekend. So this was a big one. This is Pauli Malinacci who was like trash talking Conor McGregor and, you know, because they had that, in, that sparring thing. Do you, you know about that, right? No. So when Conor McGregor was getting ready for the Mayweather thing, they, Malinacci was pulled, called in to spar. And then McGregor says that he whooped him. And then Malinacci said he didn't oh, get yeah, whooped really and blah, 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 right? And um, so that got him pissed. So Artem Loboff, who sucks. Um, is you know like uh, Conor McGregor's little part of his coterie of like little psycho fans, and uh, you know like and he just sucks. He got cut from the UFC because he sucks. And uh, I don't know if I mentioned that Artem sucks, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not really a fan of anybody from that camp. But anyway, he sucks. Let me repeat that. Got it. <laughs> got, okay, we got that right. I hate his technique. It's just terrible. You cannot look at him and say he's technical. Mm-hmm. But the man has fucking power, and you know what? He's got like that fighter instinct, like he knows where to where where the blood is, you right. know. I, I can't discount that guy, right? So Polymanich goes, they go into bare knuckle boxing. And I'm watching the fight, and Malinachi is like slick as hell. He pop, pop, pop. And you know, it's bare knuckle. So it's different, but he's going in like a boxer. And he's like outpointing him. And definitely, you know, I uh I, I felt that he won the rounds on points. Mm-hmm. But what happened was halfway through, and you could tell he went bonk. He's punching like a boxer. He broke his hand. Uh, broke his hand, and it's funny because I had a little gentleman's bet with um with uh with one of my students, Pierce, and Pierce is like, and Pierce is Irish. He's like, oh, you know, Artem's going to win this fight. You know, that's a terrible <laughs> Irish accent. Thanks. Going to win this fight, fight, and uh, <laughs> and he's like, oh, I'll show you. He'll show you because he's training Baron Knuckle. He's going to win this fight, <laughs> and I'm like, no, Polymanach is much more technical. So I wasn't, you know, I absolutely believed in my heart of hearts that that Malinacci would win because he's more technical. But then he's not; he didn't adjust for not having gloves. Mm-hmm. He freaking broke his hand, and I still felt he won. And, but he's so much more technical, just picking him off. But Arm goes banka and hits him. Also, he clinches up. This is the other thing: is bare knuckle boxing. A lot of guys in MMA. So what they do is they clinch you. And they whip their arm around their shoulder and they start hitting you. And he did cut him. He, like from the clinch, he started kind of dirty boxing, which they allow a little bit more in bare knuckle, right, than regular boxing. Mm-hmm. And he was not prepared for this. And, and it became this little dog fight. And I still absolutely think 
Malinachi won, but he had to slow it down because he broke his hand. Mm-hmm. Artem's just swinging the fences like a fucking gorilla. And, but every now and again, he hits him. And guess who they gave the fucking decision to? Artem. But I was like throwing things at the TV. But that being <laughs> said, you know, it was a closer than it should be because Malinachi's technically so much better. Mm-hmm. But it's not enough to be technically good. You have to weld that with smarts, tactics. Like you have the best army in the world. But if you don't, you know, make your army deploy it in a, in a, in a smart way, right. you know, make a formation and put your, your, your air force over here and your tanks here and your infantry here, you're going to get screwed. Yep. And that's what happened. He didn't fight a bare knuckle fight. And, um, and he broke his hand, hmm. you know, and, uh, you know, that means you didn't prepare for the modality you want. You need, were in. You you just trained boxing like you always train. Mm-hmm. It's not boxing. It's bare knuckle boxing. It's different. And I actually was much more entertained watching bare knuckle boxing than regular boxing because it's different, man. They have to punch differently. Right. And and uh, and it's nice to see it come back. I'm like so excited that bare knuckle boxing back. And all the boxing people are like, oh, this is barbaric. You know, there's much more brain damage in regular boxing than bare knuckle because you can't. Yeah, yeah. And also, you can't punch as hard. You can't punch the same way. You have to be a little smarter, and you have to be much more evasive because you're guard doesn't work mm-hmm. so you don't get as much head trauma so you know you guys are fucking idiots because <laughs> it's like it's, it's how is it more barbaric you guys are getting much more brain damage mm-hmm. what are you talking about because they're not wearing gloves well that's just what are, what are gloves what are gloves what does like big size oven mittens have to do with anything mm-hmm. you know like you're actually less brain trauma when you're doing bare knuckle and uh so it's it, but it was it was interesting because it was like all the guys are mma guys you see they're doing their mma style boxing which is different and um and i was like yeah you know artem won it so i lost two bets this weekend i lost one with, i lost one with you and one with uh one with with my my irish friend pierce losing streak here losing you're losing. becoming me <laughs> hey hey don't go that far uh, <laughs> well, we got a big summer ahead of us we got a lot of big events coming up uh ufc is pulling out all the stops this summer. We got John Jones fight, and then like a couple are weeks you, later, we I, got do Cormier. You, do, you, do you do you like John Jones? I don't know. Have you? Eh, mm. <laughs> I'm on the fence. Let's see how he does <laughs> in his next fight. But I'm excited to see uh, uh, Stipe and Cormier fight again. Yes, they're coming up in uh, and John Jones versus Maheta. That is a great, great fight. The guy mm. with the he has a big Thor hammer tattooed on his chest. <laughs> the man has ungodly power. And he's he's technical too. He's not like like a barbarian, but but it's really his power where he just if he puts his fingers on your face, you will wake <laughs> up tomorrow. Don't put your fingers on my face. <laughs> you know, if his knuckles hit your face, yeah. you will wake up in a couple weeks. You know, like okay. and and to see how John Jones is gonna deal with that. I really feel John Jones is gonna win, but it, he's it's gonna a test. Kick him and get him yeah. keep him far away. It's 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 a great test. You know, it's great. And John Jones is, you know, he's he's a he's a a person with a lot of demons. But he is uh, one of those champions in our generation. We're going to look back, like like Tyson was a man with demons. We're going to look back and we're like, we lived in the John Jones era, where combat sports were elevated by watching him mm. innovate, and, uh, and that is a fact. That is a fact, even regardless of his you know aberrant and and despicable behavior. Mm. A fan of John Jones, I'm bringing him around. Uh, no, I've always been a fan of his technique, but. Um, uh, but uh, it is what it is. All right. <laughs> well, we got a, a fun summer coming up. Yeah. Uh, stick around. And don't forget the Killer Collective. You yeah, can yeah. still we're win gonna, one of those. Oh, we can still? We're not closing up the... Uh, let's okay. close it. All right, all right, you all right. can't win anymore. Sorry. No, we can. Okay. So, if, okay. I'll give you one more week. We'll one do it next more week. week. Anybody who posts a, a iTunes or Stitcher review and want to be... You, you post it, then we'll uh, we'll uh, we'll go through all of them and, uh, and then uh, we'll pick a winner. Yeah, you can read, right, a, read a great right. book. Now you got to slap me, buddy. I lost the I bet. I can't slap Oh, me. come on.
what are you slapping. talking about? All right. I'll add a sound effect here. A slapping what are you doing? Effect. You got to do it. You got to do it. Come on. Just, no, no, no. Right, let me take it off. Ready? Right, you got to stand up. Ready? Is anybody watching? No. Shoulder. That's the best I can do. I'm not gonna slap you. <laughs> that, that changes our dynamic and everything. No, 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 it's fine. No, you know what? You know what? Let me tell you what just happened. See, this is what happened, and this is actually interesting. I know we want to wrap up the podcast, but we talked about this before, and I actually talked about this with Thomas Apt. You know, the person we have in our next mm-hmm. podcast, right? Is that your parents are nice people? They are very nice people. They brought you up to be a nice, a gentle soul. Mm. And, you know, guys, honestly, Matt is one of the nicest people I've ever met. And, you you know, uh, so sometimes it is hard to, when you've been socialized so much to don't, don't poke your, put your fingers in the person's eye, don't slap them, don't do this, treat people with respect. It's hard to draw out that inner Mm. Conan the Barbarian, you know, the inner, you know, dog of war. And, Life is about balance, though. So if you're in a situation where you need to draw on that, you'll be woefully unprepared if you cannot flip a switch. And that's what I think martial training does. And we we feel that it's wrong to draw on anger. Anger's bad, especially. And I'm a very liberal, very liberal person. But you know, um, you know, oh, this, you know, violence is always bad. And blah 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 blah. And it's something I want to talk about. You know, bullying. Like anytime a, a kid defends himself against a bully in in school. Like the, the guy who defends himself is very often in trouble, which mm-hmm. is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like there's this idea that all violence is bad. Absolutely not. Right. You know, like what World War II was bad. You know, that was, you know, you know, getting rid of Hitler was a good thing. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's 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 challenging to, to apply moral considerations to larger issues. And obviously they're more complicated. But but at the end of the day, there's sometimes where violence is absolutely in, in defense of yourself and in defense of your loved ones is absolutely appropriate. And um you know, sometimes it's also good to get in touch with that inner violent person. And it's hard if you haven't, particularly for women. Mm-hmm. We have socialized a lot of women to not be able to be to, to be in touch with their inner aggression. And uh, I would say, Matt, you know, you should maybe draw out that inner tiger a little bit. You, know? and <laughs> you could really slap me. It's fine. You no, know, it's a healthy so. thing. No, but, you know, balance is healthy. I know you don't believe me, but. but I believe you. It's it's a, just, it's I don't know how thing. to get there. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll help you. I'll you got to say you. something yeah. mean or something like that. No, 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 no. How about I slap you? <laughs> no, no. I don't want to be slapped. <laughs> no, but you know, I had this moment I talked about it on the podcast where, you know, I was I was like that too. I had very nice parents who brought me up very ni- in a very nice way. And I had to to draw I, – I, I was – years of karate training, but I still didn't like punching people in the face. Mm-hmm. And then that's hard when you're in a sport where you have to punch people in the face, right? So it was always this like – fighting myself and it wasn't until I started doing uh, jiu-jitsu with guys who had actually had like Valley Tudo fights and things like that where like no this is how you draw out that inner tiger and it's not a bad thing to have controlled aggression in the right circumstance mm-hmm. and uh, I would say it's particularly true for, for, for women because women go through a very strong type of socialization to not allow them to express their anger and I think it's part of our patriarchy mm-hmm. but it's also true for guys too you know like um you grow up in, in very nice parents and they don't want you to be bullies and don't do this, don't do that. I grew up with that and I would never be a bully. But at the same time, there's a time and a place to unleash the dogs of war. Mm-hmm. And that is not a bad thing. 
You know, I hope I never get there. No, hope so, hopefully <laughs> not. But you know, it's also it also comes out when you're dealing when you're when people can manipulate you when they have that, especially sure. in a corporate context. You know, they're like, do you ever you never see the movie Office Space? Mm-hmm. You know, hmm, we need mm-hmm. those those TPCP reports yeah. and that kind of like intimidation when you have that inner aggression. It doesn't actually have to be physical, mm-hmm. but you're less emotionally manipulated by psychopathic and sociopathic personalities. So even if you don't throw a punch ever, mm-hmm. when you have that physical confrontation, like you don't mind, you, you know, a lot of people have problems with um, uh, um, conflict. And I don't mean physical, but like just, just disagreement or personal conflict. Mm-hmm. And um, they don't know how to deal with that, that energy because that energy is still the same as like, you know, punching energy, right? So, you know, martial arts helps you get in touch with that. And and in touch with that thing, so that you are less of a um, you less of man- manipulated in the day to day time. People always ask me, it's like, well, why are you doing martial arts if you're never going to get in a street fight? I, I I you know I keep my nose clean. Yeah, of course. Well, obviously, statistically speaking, it can happen. Number one, um, there's another other reasons too. Like you know, you might um, this happened to me a long time ago. My car was almost flooded up to the windows and I thought, oh my God, I have to kick my kick the way out of this windshield. I'm glad I can kick really hard because I would be stuck here in a flooded car. Thank mm-hmm. God the, the water receded, but I was my almost my car was entire flooded by water. Wow. So, you know, the ability to you're not fighting a person, but you might be fighting some type of nature, you know, like in my I mean, I was like kind of stuck in this the the the, the bay came over and just swamped my car and I like could have drowned, you know? Mm-hmm. I didn't, but but I, I still was stuck in the car. I unrolled the window and it climbed out <laughs> and then this car towed me away. It was um but that's another reason. The third reason is to be in touch with positive, defensive-minded, self-preservation-minded aggression. And uh, and that can help you in your work environment. It can help you dealing with like, you know, just people who are, who are will, willing to take advantage of you in those little small ways that slightly and, and consistently erode at your sense of self and your mm-hmm. sense of enjoyment of life. And to me, that's that's also another th- reason why we do that. Yeah. Because if you can deal with me coming at you, super hard punching, kicking elbows, knees, and slamming on the ground and side control, then the guy goes, you know, why did you do this? You park in my parking spot. And you're like, dude, that is not your parking spot. <laughs> <laughs> and if you have a problem with it, we can discuss it with our lawyers. Mm. You know, like you don't have to go there with fists, but, you know, your confidence, your zen, your, your ability to deal with that, mm-hmm. you know, it makes you a much higher quality of life. So that's kind of how I see it. So you should slap me. I can't. Not yet. <laughs> I'm going to start taking classes at Radical. Yes, yes. And then I'll learn I'll, in yeah, six I mean, months from now, like I'll the, slap the, you. The, the, the most dish-raggy slap I've ever had. <laughs> I have no animosity towards you. And that's no, what, you don't need that, that, animosity. that That's where I am. I have to feel like I have to be mad at someone to slap them. Man, so. I'm I'm sad, man. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put it on the back burner and I'll slap you in six months. Okay, all right. Yes, yeah, practice. I'll get you like a Wing Chun dummy. You can kind of... <laughs> <laughs> we learned a lot today. We learned a lot of stuff. It was a good episode. It was. I, I think it's always a good episode with you. Of course. My favorite co-host. Yes, sir. You got another one? Mm. You seen that? <laughs> you got another podcast? <laughs> All right. Uh, don't forget the Killer Collective is coming out. And if you made it this far, uh, just go on to the next one. And yes. you'll hit an interview with... Uh, um, Zapped. Um, um, <laughs> <laughs> we got too many episodes here. Yeah, right. uh, and he has a book coming out. I can't remember the name of the book. Uh, Bleeding Vi- Out. Uh, Bleeding Out, yep. yes. And that actually comes out on Tuesday, yes. June 24th. That's correct. And uh, you can find that on Amazon or anywhere that you can find books. He's actually doing readings T- across the United yeah. Yeah, States. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. 
Uh, go to his website. I'm sure you could look it up. Right. Uh, There's one violence. Tuesday at the Strand in New York City. So yeah, this yeah. episode will be out. Uh, I put it out. Okay, great. End of today. So Fantastic. if you're hearing this now, it is Tuesday. Go to the Strand in New York City and and uh, hang out and hear some good stuff. Yeah. Let me go to Jiu-Jitsu first. Yeah, stop by Radical, <laughs> then do a and podcast to at Gotham, yeah. and then uh, go listen to a book at Strand. <laughs> All right. All right. And, uh, and then uh, we have, um, on this week coming weekend, we have uh, some big fights. Uh, there's, um, hold on a second here, there's, we got uh, Nagano versus Dos Santos this weekend. That's going to be good. Who you got, Nagano or Dos Santos? Oh, uh, Nagano. Yeah. I got to agree with you on that one. And then we got Jones versus Santos. Who You got Jones for that one too, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. All right. All right. So, um, but they're going to be great cards and we'll talk about them next week. All right. All right. See you later. Thank you.